This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm maritime reporter Eric Priante-Martin, and today we're going to try to figure out how much carbon credits are going to cost as the EU gears up to make shipping by them. One of the things that I find interesting about the laws that come out of Brussels, it's probably true in capitals around the world, is that they're often named after the pill that's easiest to swallow. The Emissions Trading System, or ETS, is like that. Yes, this created a market in which carbon credits could be traded. But if your company has to buy the right to pollute, it's an emissions tax with a variable price. And now that shipping will have to pay for what are called EU allowances for voyages to, from, and within the European Union, as of the start of next year, the industry will have to get used to the idea of paying a price that could rise and fall according to market whims. What's this price going to be? Well, let's look for people who have a crystal ball. Like the Goblin King in the 1986 cult classic, Labyrinth. I've brought you a gift. What is it? It's a crystal. Nothing more. But if you turn it this way, look into it, it'll show you your dreams. Okay, we couldn't find anyone with an actual crystal ball. But the Financial Times seems to have found a guy who thinks he has one. And it's as dark as David Bowie's eye makeup in Labyrinth. Per Lecander, who runs the investment group Clean Energy Transition, believes the market for EU carbon credits is headed for collapse. As Europe makes progress on cleaning up its power sector, lower emissions means less demand to buy those allowances. Today, those credits are worth about 91 euros, or about $100, and he told the FT last week that he would close his short position at about 60 euros. Most who watch the carbon markets are not that bearish, though I note the experts we talked to for this episode made it clear that they have no crystal ball. In general, looking ahead, prices seem to be set to rise. Broadly, a key point of ETS is to gradually reduce Europe's climate impact, so there needs to be less supply of carbon credits. Mattia Ferracchiato, the head of the carbon desk at BRS Shipbrokers, who helped us tally up the total costs of shipping's entry in the ETS system last week, pointed to a variety of factors that will also boost demand for EU allowances, particularly in 2026. That's when a mechanism called the Carbon Border Adjustment will be fully implemented, requiring credits for imported goods. Shipping's full inclusion in ETS will also be done that year, and other industries will lose their free credits. On the long term, we know that, especially from 2026, when the cross-border mechanism adjustment, the CBAM, will uh, will start, uh, and uh, full inclusion of uh, of shipping uh, with also aviation uh, coming to to the UETS with zero free allocation, because aviation started the UETS with free allocation in 2000, uh, 2013. But from 2026, uh, they will also stop receiving free units, uh, which means that they will be like shipping, uh, so full buyers of carbon credits. So in 2026, when this demand will increase, uh, we expect, uh, obviously, uh, expensive prices, uh, probably higher than 100 uh, euro per ton on average. But what about the near term? Is Lacander wrong about the market for carbon credits plunging? In my opinion, is partially right because I do believe that we are going to have a very short window in the next few few months, maybe maybe up until the first half of 2024, where prices might be uh, around this level or maybe a little bit below. I don't believe that the market is going to collapse; it's not possible. But yeah, probably we are going to have a short, a small window where prices are. Might, might be quite interesting for everybody. Part of that 
is the phased-in way that shipping is being added to the ETS system. Ferrocchiato estimates that shipping may need to cover just 33 million tons of carbon dioxide emissions in 2024, but some 78 million tons are being added to the system to accommodate the industry's entry. Also, the natural gas crisis that sent the EU power sector running for coal last year seems to be behind us. Frederick Botillier is the head of shipping for Virtus Environmental Finance, and he told me that Brussels also has mechanisms to prevent a collapse of carbon credit pricing, and the system is designed to move higher, even if there's some volatility in the short-term pricing. It's a, it's a financial market. The EU is a financial regulated product, that's clear. But it's not as efficient or as transparent than the other markets, because actually it's driven by the EU. EU is basically controlling the, the, the fundamental uh, supply-demand uh, equation. And clearly, because obviously through the auctions, through the, uh, the phase-out of the free allocation, through uh, the one-off rebasing, through the uh, increase of the uh, linear reduction factor. So, so clearly, to that extent, the EU has the tools to push forward the, that market and the EUA price towards the abatement cost, which basically will be different from uh, every and each shipping companies. But uh, clearly, that's the target. And, uh, and whether that's 120, 130, that's the direction that this market is taking. But it's still a market. And looking into next year, he said prices do face some resistance to the psychological barrier of 100 euros. So EU carbon prices might go down, but they're likely to go back up again and reach new records. With some 12,000 ships calling at European ports every year, that creates an interesting moment. Shipping companies won't have to hand over their carbon credits for next year until September 2025, but they'll likely have to pay more if they wait that long. Ferrocchiato told me he thinks the second half of next year could see increases. He told me the dip expected between now and then might be the last months We'll be able to get the credits at those lower prices. Should shipping companies buy now? Some are already doing that. Ferry operators and other passenger shipping companies, for example, may be selling tickets for next year and will want the carbon costs reflected in those ticket prices. Will those that can't pass those costs on yet buy speculatively? Some aren't even allowed to speculate on carbon prices. So it doesn't matter if the price is very low, they are obliged to buy when they have a real demand. So we had already discussion with certain ship owners and they cannot touch carbon uh, before 2024 for internal policies. Uh, others, of course, uh, are more flexible. They can speculate. Uh, well, you know, I will never say buy, uh, buy during the lows and sell during the peaks, but if the price goes certain levels, if I were a ship owner, I would probably think about it. Certain levels for me are maybe below 75, below 60, but I'm not even sure if we're we going to see these prices. So it's very, very hard. But yeah, if they have money to allocate, because also don't forget that this for, for, for owners buying now is, is allocating money to something that are not even able to pass to somebody else, right? So, so it's quite delicate. Botillier told me that shipping companies should do what he calls optimizing their entry point. But the trick is they have to do it without generating financial exposure so they can pass through those costs. Clearly, you have companies that have started 
And I think that that was obviously the best move. The sooner, the better. That's bottom line. Nobody will uh, disagree on that. The sooner, the better. And actually, you have, because it takes time, you know, to open the GSG account takes time. Uh, onboarding takes time. So definitely, the, the sooner, the better. And we have obviously, on the other side of the fence, companies that are uh, basically saying, you know, We'll uh, we'll see. Um, we have still we still have time, and uh, we will get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, yes, but I mean, uh, you know, by by then the, the the price might be ten euro, fifteen euro more. Now, commercial operators rather than ship owners are typically on the hook for EU allowances, but Botelier also said that some ship owners are sitting back under the assumption that the charterers of their ships will have to pay for those credits. But there are situations when the burden of buying them does fall on the vessel's owner. They should be careful that the ETS market doesn't catch them by surprise. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. The European Union's fuel EU maritime legislation has passed its final hurdle. With approval by the European Council, ships that call it EU ports will face caps on the greenhouse gas intensity of the energy they use, with gradually increasing reduction targets and penalties if they don't comply. The regulation takes effect in 2025, but the big cuts hit in 2035 and 2040. Offshore wind projects in Europe and the US are among the factors that led French electrification specialist Nexens to order what it described as the most technologically advanced cable lay vessel ever built. The Paris company didn't reveal details of the order, but said the ship will be able to lay four cables simultaneously and will be delivered in 2026. Its two other vessels were built in Norway. My colleague Lucy Hine has interviewed an executive at Greece's capital group about its plans to spend $6.5 billion on what it describes as a green revolution in its fleet, a new building order book that will meet higher efficiency standards and use liquefied natural gas as propulsion. And the Evangelos Maranakis-controlled company has ordered the world's largest liquefied carbon carriers. Read the story at tradewindsnews.com. Music for this episode was by Road to Music on Toontank. Tank.